right, everybody, welcome to a very special episode of the Patrick Carr Show. Now, you know we've been outspoken on this show against some of the laws that have changed here in the state of Florida. Uh, there have been some things that we have liked, a lot of stuff that we have not. And the reason we don't like some of the stuff that happens here in Florida is because it tends to hurt homeowners and hurt contractors at the expense of big insurance companies. I've got two ladies here with me, two guests on the show, the Adalfi Group. Um, I've got Katie, I've got Marie, who are fighting back against insurance companies who don't do right by homeowners and contractors. Uh, they are local right here to Orlando, and we're going to figure out exactly what they are doing to help people in this industry. A great update for you and some great ideas about how you can stay on top of your legal game. How you doing, ladies? We're well, Patrick. Thanks for having us. Y'all are very awesome. Um, I, it's been really a pleasure to get to know you both over the last, I'd say month and a half to two months. I was just telling y'all before we went on camera that, uh, I get an awesome opportunity to watch your Facebook stories and Instagram. You both have lovely families. Um, you're based right here in Orlando. Tell everybody about the Adelphi group or the yeah Adelphi group and what you all are doing to uh, help homeowners and contractors. Sure. So as Patrick mentioned, we are the Adelphi group or tag as we are. Um, known, T-A-G, tag us in. Um, we started, we are sisters um, first, so sister-owned, um, female-owned law firm here and based out of Orlando. We started um, about a year and a half ago, went out on our own after um, being at competing firms, um, doing first-party insurance claims for years and years. Um, Katie has kind of been a pioneer in this uh, sort of industry, been doing uh, first-party insurance claims for, gosh, over a decade. Um, and so she's kind of seen it all and seen how this industry has completely changed. Um, and so we decided about a year ago that we were kind of, um, we wanted something different for our homeowners um, and the contractors that we were working with. And we felt like, you know, we wanted to service them in a more boutique way. Okay. Um, and so we decided about a year ago to um, take a jump, a leap of faith, um, probably given our dad's immigration entrepreneurial mindset um here so we did that and um we've been rocking and rolling ever since where's your father from so our dad is from greece um he's from athens we are first generation born here in america um he i mean just the true uh american dream story came here with you know two suitcases his mom and dad he and his brother um and a hundred dollars in their pocket and um not just kind of give you the real short cliff note version, but started down, started down in South Florida um, with a donut shop called Baker's Dozen. You bought 12, you got one free. Um, just a great idea. Hadn't really um, been thought of down there. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts liked what they were doing, came in, bought them out. Um, with that money, they started uh, restaurants. They opened up a restaurant, and this was back in the 80s before the drug money came and built Miami up to what it is now. So he was kind of Again, I'm going to use that word pioneer, but one of the first down in, in South Florida bought a restaurant uh, or started a restaurant from the ground up, um, excuse me, and then around 9, 10 o'clock, it would turn into a nightclub. So this idea of a restaurant nightclub um, kind of took off, and um, he used to have an Elvis impersonator um, come in and do like an Elvis review show, and so I literally grew up <laughs> watching uh, Elvis and Dolly at night, so it was kind of fun. Um, and then from there, I mean, it, you know, grew to liquor stores and, you know, so forth and so on. Um, and then when I probably was 16, 18, somewhere in there, sold that and moved, um, from South Florida up to Satellite. 
Um, they, back in the 90s, just drove up the coast to A1A, saw some property for sale, um, scooped it up, held on to it for 15, 20 years. And you can imagine what real estate's done in yeah. Florida, the state of Florida, especially on A1A. So they developed that now. Um, they've got a car wash out there. Um, so, yeah, just really just an entrepreneurial mind, you know, never really said no. The sky was never, you know, out of hands reach type thing. So, and is your dad still with us? He is. We need to get him on the show. I, he's pretty awesome. I mean, I'm writing this down: donuts to restaurants, nightclub, Elvis impersonator to liquor stores, and a car wash. There's something he can't. I mean, this is. He is kind of a jack of all trades. Yeah. Yep. So right now, actually, ironically enough, to mention our families, he um, he's uh, well, all of our kids. So between the two of us, we have five kids, um, all eight and under. Um, and they are all at Camp Mimi and Papa's this week. So we are honeymooning again, I, dare I say that. So nice. we just kind of jam-packed our week. Um, but, yeah, so he's he's on grandpa duty this week. That's awesome. And it's fun. I'm glad you told me the whole story. I don't want any, like, the cliff notes on this one right here. <laughs> let's, anytime we want to come back to Dad today, let's go ahead and do that. That sounds awesome. Anything you want to add to this one? I mean, being... No, I will just say she kind of covered it all. But yeah, he's always been an entrepreneur, kind of did his own thing. And I think that's kind of where, you know, we decided, you know, working for someone, hey, why don't we do this together and kind of, you know, do our own thing and, you know, kind of fall in the footsteps of our dad. And so that's where TAG, you know, came about. Okay. A lot of people out there, they want to do it, but they never take a jump to make it happen. What was that experience like? I mean, especially for you, you were at the, you know, uh, both of you, I assume, were at bigger firms at some point. We were, yeah. So somebody, you know, once told us that, you know, oh, congratulations, you went from working a nine to five to working 24 seven. And mm -hmm. I don't think true words have ever been spoken. Um, so in a lot of ways, you know, I was craving that flexibility in my schedule, um, the, you know, ability to say yes or no, you know, certain obligations. Um, but you don't really get that opportunity. I mean, everything's on the line when you own your own um, shop. And, you know, even though someone had mentioned, you know, if you knew how much work was going to go into owning a place or a business of your own, no one would ever do it. Yet those that do would never look back and do it differently. And I think that's kind of where we are right now, like up to our eyeballs in, you know, all the things um, that is required, you know, to own a successful firm to keep our clients and our contractors happy. Um, you know, and also, you know, above all, we're, we're moms first. And so to, you know, put our family first, but also keep this up and going is a lot. But, you know, we love it. I think we thrive on chaos. Um, we were all ourselves. We were on a four. And so, you know, there was always just a, a lot going on in our household growing up. I mean, we come from a loud Greek family and there's just never a down time in energy or events or just chaos. And I think that kind of drives us. It's, you know, I can't sit still for very long. Yeah, I do think it takes a certain drive and a certain person to take that leap of faith and go out on your own. But like she said, we wanted the flexibility. Um, yes, it comes with a lot of work, but, you know, not having to answer it to anyone is great. And, you know, we can do things our way, which is part of why we took that leap of faith initially. I love it. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, going back to your story about your dad, though, it got me thinking about something. Because I, I talked about this, uh, gosh, was it Hoffney or Matt yesterday? So my dad ran liquor stores as well, okay. called Cheap Smokes Tobacco and Liquor, Farmington Deloge, Missouri. All right. So I, I know. Well, they were in Farmington Deloge. So the commercial would always go like Cheap Smokes Tobacco and Liquor, Farmington Deloge, you know, like these two small towns yeah. out in the southern part of Missouri. 
And so I would spend my summers up there because there was also gas stations. It was gas stations and then liquor stores. And in some cases, they were combined together, all right? But the, the liquor the liquor stores were cheap smokes tobacco, and then the, um, the convenience stores were called T-Rex gasoline. They had a big T-Rex as a sign, a big, it was yellow and red. And so what he did is, I love the idea, your dad kind of came up with this thing, but the nightclub thing before it was a thing. He did something called penny and ounce, which I always thought was genius back in Missouri. So what he would do is, people don't realize in gas stations, they make no money on gas. They make about a cent a gallon is what they make, because everybody's trying to push down the price and you want to have people get there. Where they make their money is when you buy stuff inside of the store. Things like, you know, the Snickers bar or you buy some lotto tickets. So you want to get people to go from the pup pump to the inside. It's why a lot of times gas stations don't have receipts that work at the pump. They could fix it, but they want you to walk inside for it so you buy something. What he decided to do was take the like 64 ounce soda and charge you 64 cents for it and called it penny an ounce so that people could go in there and get these large 128 ounce sodas for $1.28. The idea being as long as we could get them in the store, they'd buy their they'd food. buy other foods. Um, and I always thought that that was kind of a and much different than a nightclub in Miami. But, well. you know, for this one right here, I always thought that was kind of funny to get people into a store and he put fountain drinks inside of a liquor store so that people would come in there if they wanted to do that as well and buy, you know, Fit the McCormick. I, I kind of feel like Target has that name for that, like, just, they nailed. They nailed it. They nailed it. I go in for toilet paper and I come out and my receipt is a mile and a half long and I'm $300. I'm like, what the hell just happened? Absolutely. You know, you're buying towels, you're buying things that, you know, over and over again. Your bathroom need an update. Yeah, I mean, because I got the whole thing taken care of here, one one visit. Uh, yeah, Target's very good at that. I agree with you. Um, anyways, the story just kind of popped into my head. That's cool, but your dad seems a whole lot more creative. Ours, um, the liquor store we grew up was 10th Street Liquors. It was like, because it was on 10th Street. Oh, okay. He was going to call it Baldy's, because he, he had a bald head. I'm, I'm going that direction. People don't realize that's where I wear the hat all the time, no matter what. Because I'm just balding. Um, I used to have the comb over until about three or four months ago. But when we'd see it like on camera, you could see through the actual comb. I'm like, this is just, no. I just need to take it all off. I think it looks good. I appreciate it. Well, the hat. The hat looks good. That's all I'm going for. Um, and lately I've been to the cowboy hat thing. So, because I watch Yellowstone. Um, and after seeing Rip, I'm like, I'm just going to just wear cowboy hats now. Um, just hope for the best. Yeah. Um, and uh, the lady, the guy on the plane, and they will confirm this yesterday when I got on my cowboy hat, was like, you know, you look like that guy Rip. Rip. And I was, man, you just made my night. I don't care if this plane's an hour and a half late. I'm like, gay guy right here just told me that. I'm like, it must be true. Um, this is awesome. So you get into this industry, though, and things are starting to change. All right. Um, they're always changing in this industry, but I feel like it's just been on hyperdrive since 2000, let's say, 14 to 17. 17, we thought we saw AOBs change for the first time. Really big change there, because I remember I was selling doing door to door. Um, and then 19, we saw it again, but there's been a lot of change um, in the last, let's say, five years. Well, how has that change, you think, affected the relationship between attorneys, homeowners, contractors? What do you see out there as, as things have gone the last five or six years? Sure. So, um, I will say, you know, it's been a lot of change since I started, at least in the um, AOB industry. When I first started, it was kind of a new thing that they took from the medical industry. You know, PIP claims, doctors assigned, uh, you know, um, accident victims assigned their, you know, benefits to doctors. And we kind of took it to the property. Like, why can't a contractor and a homeowner do the same thing? Because these homeowners half the time don't want to deal with insurance companies. They don't know, you know, up from down with the insurance process. So 
they love to just kind of wipe their hands clean of it. Mm-hmm. It was a great tool. Uh, it went a little too far with some contractors, and there was, again, you know, the bad actors. So sure, certainly there was probably some legislation that needed to be happen, needed to happen, but again, went a little too far. Um, you know, now completely eliminating assignment of benefits, but went a little too far. Um, and it's blurred the lines, you know, with some contractors who solely did assignment of benefits work. They're having a hard time, you know, stepping back and realizing they're not in control of these claims anymore. Now it's the homeowner. Um, so it's certainly blurred the lines there as far as, you know, what their involvement is, you know, the unlicensed public adjusting, because now they don't own the claim. So there's certain things they can and can't do. Um, so Again, just getting out there and educating these contractors um, who used to solely do assignment work can't no longer do it anymore. Um, just kind of, you know, educating them on what they can and can't do and um, just trying to, and I, you know, the lines are always going to be a little bit blurry, but try and make those a little bit clearer for um, contractors and homeowners. Uh, no, I do think there is, you know, also just sadly a level of, of trust in um you know, I, I believe that every I there are definitely a few bad actors out there. But for the most part, the contractors that we have come in contact with, they want to do a good job. They're the good guys. Like yeah. they're the ones that you know, you know, they go to door to door. They want to help that homeowner. They care. They're doing their job. But I think that you know the legislation, the media has done a great job of portraying these, you know, quote actors as the bad guys in like a you know or the villain in a you know a horror movie. But it's the end of the day so you know there's this arm's length distance that a lot of these homeowners have and so then you know it's forcing them to maybe go to the bad actors or you know to not you know really trust anybody and then at the end of the day I just feel like that's not really helping anybody so do you do you think that though do you think it's mostly good in the industry how do you really where do you feel on that on that side because I genuinely do mostly good Okay, I good. Do. I do think that's, you know, for the most part, generally, you know, good contractors who want to help people. Of course, there's always going to be the bad actors. But just, again, you know, educating people so that they know, you know, who to trust and, you know, again, knowledge is power. So, yeah, I agree with what you said, though, a few minutes ago about it just went too far yeah. um, with this legislation. You know, one of the big things about AOBs of the problem, I think everyone can agree, is out-of-state people coming in, signing somebody up on a claim, and then the work not being done. And when Senate Bill 76 addressed that and they said, hey, listen, I think it's 90 days you have to start the work in or the AOB was going to be null and void. I believe it's 90 or 60. Forgive me. Um, but when they addressed that, I thought to myself, OK, where's the problem now? And I think that the real problem with AOBs was that your insurance companies would rather deal with uninformed homeowner than have to deal with someone like the two of you or a contractor or a PA. They'd just rather deal with somebody who is there. can take advantage of. Correct. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out if you're a for-profit company, those people are the ones you have to pay out. Would you rather deal with an informed consumer or somebody has no clue what they're doing or what goes on top of their roof and is just getting the biggest check perhaps they've ever gotten in their life or the opportunity to get the biggest check thinking $20,000 will cover what should be a $45,000 claim. Now what? Correct. Because these homeowners are not going to hold them accountable and the contractors were there to do that. And so you know, they have the knowledge and power to, you know, fight back on these claims, explain their, you know, their estimates. And, you know, like, like you said, a homeowner sees $20,000. They have no idea what it really takes to a put a roof on or put their kitchen back, you know, to where it was before. But they see dollar signs and, you know, they trust their insurance company. Um, and so they get taken advantage of. Such a great marketing job by them. You know, good neighbor. Double check. <laughs> yep. You know, you put Drake on a Super Bowl commercial. And then complain you don't have any money. I mean, it's just uh, it's it's some it's a really good job. And you know, 
one of the things that I've seen, but probably both of you have too, they get that twenty, thirty thousand dollar check and great. And then when the roofer steps in front of them or the restoration specialist or, you know, an emergency mediation, somebody who may be a client of yours, and they go, No, it's actually not gonna be that. It's gonna be twenty seven, not twenty. They look at them and go, No, you're wrong. It should be twenty. That's what I was given. You're trying to screw me over, not the person who gave me the twenty thousand dollar check. And they're all the, automatically they're backpedaling. They're on their heels. And so the game itself, in my opinion, is now rigged um, since really you started to put these contractors back to where they have to defend their position without the other side having to defend theirs because they wrote a check. Um, that it's, it's truly unfortunate. Um, a lot of, go ahead. No, I would say it is, but it's also, I mean, the media and what's just occurred in the state of Florida in the last, even call it 10 years, these homeowners have, yes, they're kind of now a little weary of contractors. So yes, they get this $20,000 check and they say, well, no, it's 27,000. Well, again, the media has painted these contractors, these roofers in a bad light. And so, you know, they're the ones with the target on their back. And so, yeah, now these homeowners are, you know, questioning these contractors when, you know, the contractors are the ones with, you know, the knowledge. And why do you think that's happened? Like why, where did it become like contractors? Like the guy, I mean, I don't know, I guess I grew up and it wasn't that way maybe, but it seems like there's kind of like a, I don't know, this almost a used car stigma at some point got stuck with a contractor who comes into your home. Um, and that's surprising to me because you have a choice in who you choose. If you don't trust them, just don't work with them. There's another roofing contractor that's out there. You're not stuck with anybody who walks in your house. And yet somewhere along the line, it changed that these guys are the ones trying to screw me, not a company that's a for-profit company with somebody I've never met in my life who's not going to ever step foot in my home. That is shocking to me. The The media has been able to do that and marketing has been able to do that the last, let's say, 20 years. It's amazing. We're going to be right back to that episode, but this message is for contractors. Maybe you've had a problem in the past deciding who's going to be the person who is my marketing company or who is going to be the company that handles my website or even handles the updates on my website because the one I have right now, well, it's just terrible. These are questions that can bog down any entrepreneur or business owner, especially if you're out there trying to handle the production or try to get those five-star reviews while you're at it, right? So there is one company that we trust that can handle all of this for you under one roof, and they've already done it for thousands of contractors across the country. In fact, right now, they're working with over 6,000 home improvement contractors in the United States, and that company is Scorpion. Folks, we've worked with Scorpion here for approximately six months, We've seen the difference that it can make in contractors' lives. I've literally heard the stories of the leads that have flown in from the work that the, these guys have done. Um, they've reshaped the um, the websites. They've reshaped the marketing. They've reshaped the funnels for various contractors, and it has worked. Um, they call upon their experience and their expertise, and honestly, they just got better tech than most of those other guys do out there. And, and that's why, in my opinion, they work. Um, we've been proud to sponsor them, as I said, for, gosh, close to a half of a year now. And uh, they have been absolutely wonderful to us. And I know they're going to be great to your contracting business as well. So, folks, there is a website. We're going to put it right across the bottom of the screen right there. Yes, see it? I want you to head over there right now and get with my friends at Scorpion. You will not be disappointed. Um, get another look at what marketing, web development, funnels, what all of it can do put together for your business. I think once you do that, you're gonna see that Scorpion is the right choice for you. Again, that web address right across the bottom, 
you head over there, see my friends at Scorpion. They'll take great care of you. For now, though, I hope you enjoy the rest of this podcast. Oh, they have the deep pockets and, you know, they've controlled Tallahassee. Um, so, you know, that's, again, you know, the homeowners just, it's what they've been fed for the last 10 years. And then we've had some big storms. And so there's also been a lot of people flocking to the industry. And so that's also, you know, changed how homeowners, um, you know, view contractors as well. Yeah. Now you mentioned they got deep pockets, but you all both are fighting back against those deep pockets. That's not an easy job to have. It seems like maybe they have unlimited resources at times um, to drag things on. I mean, how many, I'm sure, engineers and reports and stuff that you have to deal with. What's it like being David versus Goliath at times out there? I mean, you can be the largest firm in the world. You're still David versus Goliath is what I feel like. You are. Um, and again, they've since changed it, but that's what the, you know, attorney's fee statute helped, you know, fight against. So, you know, if they were wrong in their denial of the claim, they were held accountable. Now, if they're wrong, I mean, there's no one to hold them accountable. So, you know, at the end of the day, smaller firms or even bigger firms, I mean, there's going to be a value of a claim that's worth filing. So if your claim is just a roof claim, you're going to have a hard time finding an attorney because it's just not worth anyone's time, um, you know, to fight that claim for you. I want to slow this down right here because I think it's an important point to make. Hey, can you, can you go ahead and walk us through, let's say last year, what a claim would look like as opposed to next year if a hurricane hits, what it would look like. Let's just take easy numbers for everybody, okay? A $100,000 claim, all right? Last year, before the law changes, $100,000 claim, the claim gets denied, all right? How does it work when it comes to, let's just say you were to go and win the case and everything, how fees are paid out. Let's say you're owed $10,000, all right, at the end. Can you tell me how that would work old way versus new way? Sure. Um, and so initially, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of start from the beginning. It was a one-way attorney fee statute. So, you know, you recovered a dollar, you got all of your fees and costs um, paid for, you know, based on the amount of time you had in a file at an hourly rate. Well, that, you know, had since changed and it was on a sliding scale. So up until January is on a, you know, a sliding scale based off of a pre-suit offer that the insurance carrier made. Well, again, you know, half the time they didn't make, you know, any type of, you know, offer or, you know, again, if they had made an offer that they thought was a valid offer and, you know, took it all the way, there was the potential that the homeowner would have to pay their fees if they had made a, you know, a decent, you know, valid offer. Well, um, you know, that has since changed. And so now, um, you know, if a hurricane hits, unfortunately, these attorneys are going to have to be like a PI attorney and take a percentage of your claim. So, you know, $100,000 claim, you know, you're taking 33 and a third or, you know, whatever the Florida bar allows. Mm -hmm. And these homeowners are going to have to now come out of pocket above and beyond their deductible, um, you know, the extra $30,000, whatever it may be, that they had to pay their attorney. And so these homes are probably going to be in disrepair. I mean, you have homeowners who struggle to even, you know, pay their deductible. And now you're asking them to come out of pocket, you know, the 33 and a third that they had to pay their attorney. It's, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, just to give you an idea, folks, of what I mean by this is that, first of all, the when, when everything was paid, it made sense to me. If you win your case, you get your $100,000 to put your home back together, and then the fees for your attorney go above and beyond that $100,000. So it's 30 grand, you pay your attorney 30 grand, and you get 100 grand because you won your case. A judge said, you're right. You don't get 70,000 to put $100,000 worth Insurance isn't a discount. You're paying for replacement cost value is what you're paying for. And so that made sense to me. That that seemed to me like 
what's the problem here? You're winning the case. Correct. And had they believed in their, you know, denial or their, you know, payment of the claim, then they should have taken it, you know, to trial and recovered their fees. But again, it goes back to there hasn't been accountability to them and their claims practices and how they're handling the claims. It's all been contractors and homeowners who are, you know, the problem without anyone actually taking a look at what, you know, the root of the problem is. Got it. You're quiet over there. I'm worried about you. You said she was going to do most of the talking, so but. All in. Normally, I'm the outspoken one. I just, I never shut up. So I actually woke up. And I was like, I think today's going to be your day. Well, I want to go, I, I want to stick on this for a second because I want to go back to what it becomes next, which I thought was the craziest part of it all. The sliding scale BS. So folks, don't, don't overlook what she just said. The insurance company had to make an offer to start the process. So they just, so basically you, you get denied and then you get an offer. Um, and it's kind of like, it was always just a BS thing, but then how much you got paid out was tied to how much you would get at the end compared to the offer that they made. There was a sliding scale that went with that. Yeah. So you had this game of, well, let me make this offer and then let me see what you can get on the back end. And then if I get more, I think it was like the 50% of what the, ad it was just whole mess. Um, That's it, it was a game. It was, it was a complete game. It was, yeah. it was all a mess. And homeowners didn't understand it when you like, they're like, what? Like they're offering me $30,000 on a hundred thousand dollar claim. No, I don't want that. Well, you know, actually, because if we do the math and it's going to be 50%, it, it was all a bunch of crap. And now they've gone ahead and as you said, they swung the pendulum way to the other side. And they said, well, if you win your case, hey, you're still responsible for your own attorney fees. So there is zero incentive now for a insurance company to ever close a claim out knowing over here. The, the, the clock where the, the ticker is going up and the amount of fees that a, a kid or that a homeowner is going to owe. And they're just kind of sitting there going, yeah, our offer of 33000 is looking better and better as you owe your attorney more and more to keep this fight up. Yeah. And on claims where, you know, they legitimately pay them, but they're going to undercut, um, you know, what it actually takes to do these jobs because there's going to be no attorney who's going to say, sure, I'll take on a case for $10,000. They should have paid 30000 They paid 20000 Yeah, that's worth my time. It's not going to be worth anyone's time. So it only encourages them to, again, either deny claims or way underpay them because it's not going to be worth an attorney's time, um, you know, to file over $10,000, $20,000. Why would you? I mean, I've heard now attorneys that I've had um, that we worked with or have worked with in the past, they've told me like a $50,000 or $75,000. threshold. Yeah not worth it to me and it's not going to be worth it to the person I'm trying to help because they're going to look at this as I'm trying to in some way slight them because yeah it's making it's painting attorneys as the bad actors this by the way but for us you're playing to the club it's in All right. welcome to the club of contractors and then you got people yeah. like me who just hang out on YouTube and cause some trouble <laughs> over there all right we're all in the same boat here now I mean come on now um next question and this one's kind of interesting for both of you because um, where in, in all these law changes, attorneys continue to be the backbone of it all because without the attorneys, um, as this show has said, there is nobody that's going to hold carriers accountable at all. The only thing they're going to listen to is a judge and money. That is it. And the people that are going to be able to do that are going to be attorneys in the end. Um, but there are two other actors in this thing. There are contractors, obviously we've talked about that and PAs. Have you seen how this the relationship has changed in the last five, 10 years? What is everybody's role right now in this claims process? 
Is it changed? Is it still the same? What is it? Where does it, the line stop where, and go for everybody throughout this thing? Hmm. Well, public adjusters, I will say, they you know, have a target on their back right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they used to be more, you know, useful or relevant, you know, back in the day. And now I think, you know, contractors, you know, homeowners, attorneys are kind of, you know, we've educated people and they serve a purpose, sure, in some respect, in some claims they may, but at the end of the day, you know, your contractor is probably more knowledgeable, um, you know, in that trade than the public adjuster in their estimate, what it's actually going to take to the, do the job, because these public adjusters aren't actually doing the work. They're not, you know, replacing the roof or, you know, replacing your kitchen. So they're not doing the work. And at the end of the day, if they don't get the claim approved, it's going to an attorney anyways. And so you're paying this public adjuster to essentially, you know, maybe send a few emails or try, you know, some scare tactics to just ultimately end up at an attorney. An attorney can do essentially more than what a public adjuster can do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think, and with, again, how the fee statute changed and how now we have to take a percentage, ultimately it just makes no sense for a homeowner to hire a public adjuster to take a percentage just for it to then, you know, be denied and then end up with an attorney who's going to take an, another percentage. So now you're looking at probably 50% of your claim out of your pocket. I think they might, you know, their industry and that trade may become obsolete here soon. I think they're going to come after them. They've came after yeah. attorneys, obviously. They've come after contractors. They'll come after PAs, and they'll come after people on YouTube the following year. Um, what are your thoughts, though, on a contractor? Maria? I'm going to talk to you about this because um, where does a contractor's role in this thing now start and stop in this whole process? Um, because, you know, a contractor is usually the first one on site after a big storm. Um, they're the first one to usually to develop a relationship with most homeowners or business owners just by sheer numbers alone. Um, there's a lot more contractors than RPAs or maybe even attorneys. A hundred percent. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, there's a lot more types of contractors who can be on the field. Emergency guys, you know, trees, you know, it doesn't matter. Where's the relationship start and for a contractor? Where should it end now? Where do they need to say enough? How does that work? Uh, I don't know that they ever <clears throat> really say enough until, well, at least the contractors that we work with. And that's where, you know, it has been nice to be out on our own and be able to, you know, pick and choose the contractors that we get to work with. Because for the most part, at least the ones that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, they're on the side of the homeowner. Like, they're on the same team. We're all on the same team, um, you know, really with the same end result in mind. Um, so they kind of start off as, and to your point, I think relationships are huge. And so... You know, and that goes, you know, jogs my memory mm -hmm. to say something else. But, you know, the number one thing that we're seeing is just these homeowners, be careful and be weary of what you're signing. Like, that's the number one mistake that I'm seeing is that homeowners are like, I signed X, Y, and Z's contract. And so here we are with 10 different, you know, contracts from two contractors and a PA. And, and you know, here we are to me. And, you know, yes, you know, I should have been the number one call. Um, but just make sure that you know what it is you're signing. Read it. If you don't know what you're signing, your signature should not be on the bottom of that page. Call a lawyer um, or, you know, ask, you know, the, the tougher questions. But for the most part, the contractors that we are working with are the good guys. They're there. Um, you know, they're walking your roof. And, you know, the ones that call me and say, hey, so-and-so, you know, Pat has some serious storm damage up there. I don't even have to think twice. Like, I know. I trust them. Yeah. I know they've seen it. You know, I don't even have to go and, you know, look, it's just, I, I get it. Um, and I think for the most part, 
most of the contractors we're seeing are the same way. They know what grease lifted shingles know, you know, look like. They know what hail pops away. They're not, you know, dumb or they probably wouldn't be out doing this. Um, so um, all that to say, I think they come out and, you know, they'll give the homeowners, you know, hey, I see legitimate storm damage up here. This is why you have, you know, home insurance. You have this, you know, opportunity to, you know, file a claim and see what happens. Um, and then for the most part, I do feel like they have been cut out from the claims process part. But what I like um, is that I do, you know, value communication and I do kind of explain that it's almost like a triangle right now. Like we're all kind of, you know, me and you are sort of like the base, but we still have this contractor that is very helpful and going to be extremely helpful um, along the way um, because he knows your roof. He knows your area. He knows what, you know, your roof's going to cost. Otherwise, I'm just shooting fish in a barrel and I have no idea, you know, how much I actually need to get your roof replaced without, you know, you coming out of pocket, um, you know, $30,000 on a $100,000 roof. Yeah. So, you know, once that relationship is built and forced between that contractor and that homeowner, um, you know, usually that homeowner is in a position where if there's a, that certain level of trust and they want to turn that denial position over, um, they're, they'll usually listen to their contractor. And so their contractor then hopefully has, you know, relationships with other attorneys um, that can kind of kick that homeowner. And we have a conversation about what it looks like next steps. Um, but along the way, you know, we're kind of keeping that contractor sort of in the loop because what's going to happen is, hey, I got an offer for $50,000 and I call obviously my client to relay that offer. And what's the first question I get is, well, is that going to be enough? That's all they care about. I, I just want to replace my roof. Like I'm not looking to pocket it. I'm not, is that going to be enough to get my roof replaced? And so, you know, my next conversation then is with that contractor, like, hey, there's an offer here. Your estimates at, you know, 60. Is there any, you know, room to be a little more flexible or do you, is that firm? And most of the time, you know, it is. And so then we go back and that's, you know, kind of where we can negotiate. But ultimately, the client has the ultimate say. Um, but I don't want to interrupt you, but it's interesting to me. It's, I don't think a lot of people take into account now without AOBs the amount of risk that a contractor may take when a claim like this happens. Absolutely. What I mean by that is they can do all the work in the world for this homeowner, be the person that guides them through six months of the process. And when you make that call to them and they go, it's, you know, I'm sorry, 60 is where I want to be because this is this and this. Maybe the homeowner can say, you know what? I'm tired of waiting. I'm going to, I got a friend over here who's going to, who says that this guy will do it for 50. And what a predicament to be in if you're a contractor and it happens and you sit there and you go, I'm just trying to do it the right way. And you, you're doing it the right way. The homeowner just wants to put their life back together. But people should take into account that contractors are doing this now in Florida without knowing they're going to get the business. There's no guarantee that they're going to get that business at the end of the day. Certainly, which is, you know, goes to her point of, yes, you know, relationships are huge. So forming that relationship at the beginning, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's the homeowner's choice, you know, before the contractor, you know, would be able to file, you know, the claim, file suit, um, not file the claim, but file suit and, you know, protect their right and make sure that there is in the settlement enough money for them to do the work. And there's just no guarantees now. And yeah, you get a check for $20,000, you're going to go shop it around. So that those protections, um, you know, have been lost. Yeah. And I hear some people say, well, you know, contractors are only doing this because of the money. You know, it's kind of like, well, they're not looking out for the yeah. landowner. They're doing it because they want their money. And I sit there and I think, so? Well, that's all they do want. At the end of the day, I mean, you're, 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 did you really go to work nine to five and make not a damn dollar? You wouldn't do that either. So, like, 
Yeah. Well, we all got to make a living. Do I think they want, you know, they're just going to drive up the cost just for the hell of it? No. Right. I, I think at the end of the day, day, insurance companies are in the business to make money. We all, you know, no matter what we're doing, we're there to make money. So. Well, Katie, I heard, I saw you, or not heard you, I saw you shaking your head when you were talking about the contracts and being sure that, you know, you know what you're signing. Um, and I saw you, you're like, yeah, that's true. Um, do you find that sometimes homeowners are signing things and they may not quite be aware of what they're signing? Have you seen that? I think it's more, again, going to public adjuster contracts because then they want us because ultimately it ends up in our office. And then, you know, when it comes time to talk numbers with them, they want us to get them out of their contract. And they're like, well, I didn't even know I was signing or, you know, if I got to your, you know, to you, I didn't know I still had to pay this guy or this guy didn't do anything. Um, so it's more or less, um, you know, homeowners just being aware of what they're signing and, you know, what rights or money they're giving up to sign that contract. Yeah, I've got some good friends who are PAs. I'm, I'm Jack Hanks and you got Vince and Tara and all these people that are good friends of mine. Love y'all. Um, but I, I continue to say that the problem within this industry when it comes to PAs is the accountability to know who is good and bad at their job. Yeah. If you're going to tell me that you got me $100,000 for a claim, how as a homeowner business owner do I know that $100,000 was the maximum that I could have received for that claim? I don't. That I don't know if that claim was truly worth 100 and that was great or if that claim was worth 150 and I just left $50,000 on the table. And if you're telling me as a PA that you are the advocate for that individual and that your role in this process makes a difference and that it makes a real difference, then you've also got to be able to say in that same breath that, yeah, there could be a $50,000 gap because there is a difference between a good and a bad PA. Now, if you tell me there's no difference, then what role do you play right now? Yeah. Um, and so I'd like for some PA, comment if you'd like below, um, to tell me how I can tell if there is a good PA or a bad PA in front of me besides go look at my, go look at my reviews. I, that homeowner who gave you a review is happy that they got their life put back together. Great. But what did they miss out on? I have no way of knowing that. The answer that I've gotten in return is in, well, they're happy. Yeah, you know what? Like, I could be happy having a Frosty from Wendy's, but I'd much rather be happier if I got a blizzard. Um, I just don't know. Um, and so from my standpoint, it just kind of goes into how happy are they? And could they have been on a different level? Um, and I think that the accountability factor there for determining who is good and bad at their job is something that needs to be taken into account. But I think that the laws are about to change in such a way that I'm not sure it's not going to be obsolete in the next 18 months. Um, question for you both. What are you? What mistake do homeowners make? Um, if you could give them one piece of advice before they ever have to put a claim in um, or a claim gets denied, what would you want them to say, stop doing this or start doing this a lot more before we ever have to see your claim. We're going to be right back to that episode, but first I want to give some props to one of our partners here at the Patrick Carr Show, and that's our friends over at Equipter. They've been a part of the show for a long time, and we are proud to call them partners here because of what they offer contractors every day. Not only they're helping contractors keep their site clean, organized, well taken care of, but they're making contractors look like the professionals that they are. If you have not been on a site with Equipter, you are missing out. Uh, you know, as part of this show and a part of what we do every day at Blue Collar Media Group, we're constantly out on a site. 
um, we're on top of a roof or we're on some other kind of job site where sometimes there's an equipter and other times there is not. And I assure you, there is a difference in the level of professionalism when equipter is involved. The site is cleaner. A home or business owner shows up and they're like, man, these guys actually mean business. And it's because the equipter shows that you are a professional contractor, that you care about your brand, that you care about the product that you're providing to a home or to a business owner. Plus, on top of that, from your business perspective, it's going to cut down on cost. It's going to increase the efficiency. When you're removing debris from a site, you don't want to lug that stuff all the way to the other end of a site. You want to make sure that it's efficiently being removed so that you can get to work and do what you need to do in replacing what you're doing. So this is the kind of stuff Equipter is going to be able to help you out with. Um, they have, again, been a longtime standing partner with this show, and we have seen them change the lives of contractors across the country. At this point, people are renting Equipters to contractors. People all over are using these things, but I encourage you to get your own so that you can go ahead and you can market yourself. Wrap that thing in your logo, make it look incredible so that when you up to show up to a job site, the people there know that you are the most professional contractor in the area. I'll tell you, there's a website right across the bottom of the screen. You head right there. Talk to my friends at Equipter. They're American-made up there in PA, and they're going to be able to take care of you. You visit right there and let them know that Patrick sent you. But for now, let's get back to that podcast. Stop talking so much. Really? Well, some well, some homeowners will just blab and blab and blab, and half the time, you know, they're saying things that they shouldn't be saying. Um, they think they're helping their claim. They're actually hurting their claim. Um, so, again, knowledge is power, and, you know, sometimes they don't even know what's in their policy, what's covered, what's not, and so them just blabbing on and on and on, you know, a lot of times hurts them more than it helps them. So Stop well, talking thanks. too much. Perfect. <laughs> it, you know, everybody then becomes a lawyer, right? When you have a claim, they're like, I'm going to win. I'm going to win my. And I mean, the number one, you know, when we have depot preps with our clients, it's like, hey, there is nothing you are going to say right now that is going to, quote, win or lose. So just, you know, yes, no, I really don't know because you're not a roofer. You're not a contractor. You have no idea unless you, you know, are have been a roofer in the past and got up and walked to a roof, which nine out of 10 do not, you have no idea. So just defer to the the good guys that know what they're doing. Yeah, I actually agree with you. Stop talking so much. There are, there's a couple things that I say now. Number one, I don't advise, like when we're out there and you know I'm with contractors and we're doing content, we're in the field. I'm always surprised that contractors still calling claims at the rate that they do. Because why talk to somebody? Why not just file it online with the homeowner? Yeah. Um, a lot of these allow you to do it. I don't want that homeowner to talk. I was listening the other day. There were voicemails on these, like when you get put on hold, that says, did somebody come to your door today? If so, you could be a, you know, a victim of insurance fraud. If somebody is sitting with you or at your door and they're, they're asking you to file a claim, please let us know when we come back to the line. Your rights. And so immediately as a contractor who's just said, hey, listen, I just see some damage. I've documented that damage. I've stayed in my lane. Now, all of a sudden, that homeowner is sitting there going, should I be weary of, you know, Jake who's sitting across from me right now? Like, it just happened not like this, this past week. Like we yeah. had a defense attorney just hound our client over a business card that his contractor left on his door. What did it say? What did it look like? What were the names on it? Do you have it? Don't you dare destroy it. I want to copy it. I'm like, since when is a contractor not allowed to leave his business card without, you know, who's looking down my shoulder? It was just the most asinine thing I'd ever seen. 
Yeah, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Um, you know, I think it was, what was it, Senate Bill 76 when they attempted to um, say you couldn't exchange monetary value for a lead. And I thought to myself, hold on now, it doesn't affect me, but if I want to give somebody a Cracker Barrel gift card for saying, hey, you can go talk to Katie down the street, my neighbor, like, here's a $30 Cracker Barrel gift card, and that's now illegal? Um, like, come on, folks, like, we're just, yeah. we're, this, this doesn't make a lot of sense, and that kind of leads me to what doesn't make sense, and that's been all the bills that have changed here. It seems like literally every three months for the past 15 months that there is a new law and another 100 pages that you have to read of a bill um, that changes things. And there's all these little details, and I'll give some of our legislators this. They do a lot better with writing bills than they used to. There's a lot less ambiguity and holes around it. I'll give them that much. But there's new laws all the time. How are you dealing with all these new laws? Is there any of them that have stuck out in your head that you're like, I can't believe this actually came through? How's that been over the last 15 months being in first party? Um, Sure. So I will say, um, you know, it's hard to even tell which ones are working because there's been so much change in the last couple of years. And at the same token, it's, you know, past this and, you know, rates are going to be lowered, yet rates are still going up. So... Um, you know, they think they fixed the problem with AOBs, rates are still going up. You know, they think they fixed the problem with taking away fees and rates are still going up. So, um, you know, certainly, again, there's been, you know, a lot of change. And, you know, all we can do is, again, knowledge is power. So, you know, everyone that comes, every bill that's signed, you know, we just dissect it. We get with our contractors that we work with. Um, and, you know, we do like lunch and learns. Like, so, again, they understand, um, you know, the new laws, make sure that they're doing things compliant. Um, and that they're, you know, telling their homeowners the right things and, you know, vice versa. When a client calls us, you know, we're letting them know, you know, again, the old fee way, the new fee way, regardless of where their claim, claim falls, just so, again, they know, they trust us. We're being upfront with them because, again, communication is huge for us. And, you know, I'll say it again, knowledge is power. And so just, you know, making sure that everyone is informed and everyone's doing things, you know, the right way. Setting the expectation from yeah. the beginning. Yeah, I mean, it, it sucks that the laws change, but if you set the expectation, at least everyone knows. Correct, and well, I've actually yeah. gone as far as I've. So all the clients that we have calling now with 2023 dates of loss and policy period, I've explained how it used to be, and how you know you. just because I'm like I'm so pissed off that I feel like the more homeowners that are aware as to hey this just happened in the last six months you lost a substantive right to hire an attorney and so you know get mad make the phone call. Um, you know, you're just one voice, but I have made it a point to explain this is what it would have looked like to hire our firm. And unfortunately, you know, we don't, you know, we can't really control it right now. We have to, you know, deal or, or I guess that play the, yeah. play the, you know, cards we were dealt. And so this is what it's going to look like to hire our firm today. And I'm sorry, we're going to do the best we can to like circumvent it, you know, we can try to get, you know, a little bit covered or, you know, we're not going to, you know, gouge you our fees, but, you know, we also have to get paid too. We can't work for free. Um, but this is what it looks like now for you. And if you're not happy about it, I don't blame you. And here, you know, call all your rep. Yeah. This is exactly why I love doing this show because that's what I'm going to take away right there. I, if you're an attorney right now and you've got a homeowner that you're explaining these fee structures and how it's going to work, why would you not take another couple of minutes to explain and say, Hey, by the way, I want you to know that it didn't used to be this way because it doesn't sound fair, does it? And like, no, of course not. I mean, I want my—I need a hundred thousand to put my roof back together, twenty thousand. 
what do you mean I may not get that even if I win? Yeah. Like for that homeowner or that business owner to get upset about that and to go, yeah, I know it sucks. It sucks for us too to have to tell you this. <laughs> Why don't you, hey, next time pay attention when this stuff comes out. Property. Some action, yeah. Yeah, property insurance isn't sexy. And I think that's part of the reason that, you know, our legislators get this stuff pushed through is that they know it's no one's paying attention. Topic. Yeah, no one's listening. It's not bathrooms to Target, you know, and stuff. Like, that's a topic that gets national news. People want to talk about that and some march somewhere and all that. But you start talking about insurance claims and be like, uh, okay. But yet, every single homeowner is affected by it in the entire state with the rates that they pay. And I love what you said. I'm still waiting to see the rates go down that we've been promised since 2014 with, when we had Seekhole reformed. Sinkholes were the problem in 14 yeah. because the whole city was going to open up and everyone's going to lose their home to sinkholes. And as long as we <laughs> just solve the sinkhole problem, then we were all going to have lower rates, but the lower rates have never, Same. ever happened. Final thing I want to go into with y'all is about immigration. Um, we are right now, when we film this, everybody, it is June the 28th. So we are only a couple of days away from the immigration bill going into effect on July the 1st. Um, and I'd just like to know from each of you, you have your kind of ear to the ground, you're talking to contractors. There's, how is this going to affect work in the state? Do you believe it's going to have an impact? What are you seeing out there? Um, I certainly, uh, I guess, yeah, it's yeah. certainly going to have an impact. Um, I will say there's already um, contractors who have told us they've lost their crews. Crews are leaving town, going to different states. Um, and so finding good labor um, you know, is going to be hard and it's only going to make the labor costs go up. And so certainly I've already seen an impact. Um, you know, it's not even July 1st yet, like you said, and I've already seen an impact with, you know, again, crews leaving town, um, you know, certain contractors who do have their crews, you know, holding those close to them, you know, not sharing that information because again, it's going to be a, you know, it's going to jack the price up of labor. Yeah. No, we, yeah, we've seen, I mean, I, we have just some great contractors we work with that just can't get emergency tarps fit on like a, ahead of these storms that we have coming up. We have so many clients that are calling and asking and we're calling and they're like, we're doing the best we can, but we're short staffed. The crews that would normally do this are gone. And yeah. so what do we do? Yeah, folks, just kind of, if you, if you didn't tune in, we did a whole episode on the new immigration bill, but there's two things I really want to get across to everybody about this. And as attorneys, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, the first was uh, crossing state lines. When we have these big storms, everyone, um, and we need lives put back together like we have in Fort Myers and Sanibel Island, Naples, or that whole area that was affected down there, there are not enough contractors in the state to make that happen quickly. People want their lives put back together right away if you've ever been through one of these storms. And so you have people that come from South Carolina, Georgia, Louisiana, Texas. They bring crews down here, and they work for three or four months, make a crap ton of money, live out of, their, live out of a trailer or out of a hotel, and they head back. All right? Nothing wrong with that. Um, if you come into the state of Florida moving forward after July the 1st and part of your crew has not been e-verified, OSHA comes to your property and finds out that your guys have not been e-verified, as a business owner, you can be charged criminally with not only having somebody like, I don't know, undocumented, human trafficking as part of the RICO Act, all right? This was made for drug smugglers and people that are trying to bring kids and sex trafficking. We're talking about somebody can take someone even unknowingly, okay, across state lines, and if they harbor them, now we're having there, you're harboring an individual like that. That, to me, is insanity. It is insanity. Um, and we're going to see, and you're going to have a price paid for that after the next big storm. The other thing that it did and, and for this is that it basically made everybody e-verified. 
Um, you have to go in and e-verify somebody if they're going to be a part of your program or they're going to be part of your team. It used to be that you'd have to do right now an I-9, mm -hmm. which says, hey, listen, I'm trusting you. You're trusting me. I'm going to go to work for you. And we're both just going to kind of say I trust one another. But e-verify has a different level to that. I want everyone to think before you go, oh, yeah, great, America first. And you start doing the old, you know, let's just, you know, Godfire and brimstone stuff on my, my far right guys, a lot of my friends out there. I want you to ask this question. How many of you are just knocking down the door to roofing companies looking to become part of a crew to get on a roof right now in the state of Florida when it's 105 degrees with 100% humidity and do that work? The other thing I would ask you is how many of you right now, when you get your roof done, are expecting a bunch of white guys to show up in polos and be the ones who put on the roof, all right? Look at this thing realistically for what you're really going to get. And you mentioned that prices were going to go up. Prices are going to go up 10 to 15% over the next year if they haven't already in your area. What crews are doing, you're right on this, they're leaving already. And the crews that are sticking around know they are more valuable. And so what they're doing is going to owner and saying, You want me, pay me. Yep. I want 10 to 15% more. Hey, people, where do you think that 10%, 15 more is going to be passed on to? Right, right to your bill. <laughs> and so now you're going to have this whole revolving door where they're going to go ahead and they're going to go to their insurance company now with an estimate that's 10 to 15% higher. Insurance company is going to be more likely to deny the claim based on the fact that the claim just went up 10 to 15% as compared to last year. And now you don't have attorney fees. You go ahead and fight that claim against the big insurance company. There we go. Mic drop on that one. How this so? Drop. How the, it doesn't. I, I just wish that people could just. Doesn't get make their, walking around sense. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Walking around sense. I'm going to use that one too. Um, walking around sense. It, it just doesn't though. And I wish that people would just kind of get their mind around the fact that there's some real. I, I'm not going to say criminal. There's some real nefarious things that have gone on the last 15 months within our legislators, um, up in Tallahassee, and the people that are going to win are not me or you or the homeowner. It's going to be, you know, discount double checks and good neighbors and the big time companies with the biggest buildings downtown. And that's, that's just going to be unfortunate. You all mentioned a few minutes ago, lunch and learns. All right. I love this kind of stuff. We have a lot of contractors in Florida being our main area that watch this. Let's just say they don't know what's going on. They have questions. Can you give them some information about how do they get started with you? What is the process like to have you come out to their maybe to educate their sales reps and production team, everyone? Do you do stuff like that? How do they get involved with your firm? We do. And we love to, at the end of the day, you know, we just love to educate. And so even if we're just another resource and tool, you know, for contractors out there who have a question when they're in the field and, you know, may not send us business, but again, if everyone's doing things the right way, we just want to make sure, again, you know, our industry keeps it clean, you know, gets rid of that bad name that we have. So, um, you know, we just want to, again, be a resource and a tool. So we're happy to come out and do a lunch and learn. Um, yeah. No. <laughs> I don't know why I keep talking about our parents. This is going to be really embarrassing. But our mom was a teacher. And so I feel like just education and being an educator has always kind of been in the, you know, been in the blood. And so I genuinely just love to teach. I love, you know, the nerdy stuff to look, dissect um, and kind of break it down in a very, um, you know, matter of fact you know, you can understand it. And here's why, because at the end of the day, back to Katie's point, you know, the contractors, I think for the most part are doing good. Mm -hmm. They care. They, you know, want to do right by their homeowners. Um, and that relationship is huge. And so the number one, you know, 
way to build a relationship is to have trust. And so if, you know, we're on the same page with those contractors because they, you know, have knowledge, they know what's going on, they're up to speed. It looks like we've talked so that there is like this level of trust because once they call us as a law firm, it's like, oh, that contractor did know they were what they were talking about. They absolutely aren't trying to, you know, snow one over on me. And I, I kind of, you know, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, if we can all kind of be on the same page and, you know, understand it all together and kind of work in unison that I think, you know, it, it it's, you know, we're smaller boutique, but, you know, eventually, hopefully the good news will spread. Um, but as far as lunch and learns, I'd probably say that is, you know, 20% of my time, 30% of our time is, you know, at least once a month, we're trying to go out just to, you know, put a name to a face. We love meeting new people. Um, and again, I can't sit still, so there's that. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you ever just want to, you know, even if, you know, you already have legal in place, great. Um, but we'd still love the opportunity to come out and, and meet you and meet your team, um, meet your sales guys, you know, help get some training implemented. I know, you know, time is valuable. And so, you know, take this off your plate. Let us come in. Um, talk to some of the guys, you know, give them a crash course on what's going on, recent legislation changes, and, you yep. know, answer questions. The Adelphi Group. Um, we've got Marie. We've got Katie. Um, I, I must look here. Moms, sisters, entrepreneurs, attorneys, mothers, a teacher, dad does stuff in restaurants, nightclubs, and Elvis impersonators. I mean, let me tell you what. I mean, if nothing You're else, champagne drinkers, champagne drink, really good at. That. Are you snobby champagne drinkers? Do you like like really good champagne? Is that where it goes? Yeah, I think it's been tequila. I feel like we've kind of just changed. Yeah, I don't know. Champagne and tequila, champagne and tequila, which you all should definitely partake in this week. Yeah, because like you said, you're in the honeymoon phase again this week. So enjoy your week here. Um, I'm going to try to get this out everybody around the July first time. Uh, because I know the laws are going to be changing and the people are always kind of interested in what's happening around those times. And we start thinking about, you know, new things that are going on. Um, we'll put all the information for these ladies uh, right across the bottom as well as in the description so that you can get in touch with them. Get them out there to your contracting business. Or if you are a homeowner, make sure you get in touch with them. If you got questions, they will walk you through the entire process. Uh, get in touch with them. It's been a pleasure getting to know both of you. Thank you very much for making the time. Likewise, stop. Thank, thank you. you. I hope everyone has a happy, safe force. Hey, there we go. All right, till next time, everybody.